job finding tips and strategies, resume tips, handling tough interviews, dealing with employment gaps, and more. Welcome to Bernie Chats with Bart Zick, certified resume strategist. Now let's get started. We're back talking with Bart Zick, founder of the KISS Academy and KISS Career Coaching. He's a certified resume strategist, and he has lots to tell us about his experience with helping people get jobs and coaching on job finding techniques. Bart, do you want to say a few words about yourself? I'm just going to piggyback off of what you said. So absolutely, I uh, created KISS Coaching and uh, the KISS Academy, which is an online school with uh, courses that I'm, that I'm building up focusing on uh, business communication, uh, job search, resume development, and uh, related documents. The last time I talked to you, we were speaking about gaps in employment. A lot of employers, when they look at resumes, they see that sometimes as a red flag and they question why people have gaps in their employment. So maybe if you can share with us a little bit uh, about any tips that you might have for people that have gaps in employment and how to deal with those. Absolutely. And uh, Bernie, that's a very timely question. Uh, over the weekend, I received a question on my YouTube channel, and I answer all of the questions in the comments section on my YouTube channel as well. So it's, it's, it's a two-way communication channel. Great. But the question was exactly related to your question is, is related to employment gaps. And this, this subscriber asked, well, is it okay to tell the employer that I have an employment gap because of my health? So this person had to um, take some time off, uh, which was significant, uh, in order to look after their, their health. And, and the question was, is it okay to share that type of information during a job interview with a prospective employer? And the short answer is absolutely yes. Health issues are a very legitimate reason for an employment gap. However, there are a couple of tips with dealing um, with health issues. And the first tip would be don't focus on the actual health issue. Keep in mind as well that at least in Canada, and I think it's similar in the US, but I'm not sure about other areas of the world, the employer uh, does not have the right to ask you specific questions about your illness, because that is personal information. And also, uh, a similar reason for not including a photograph or, or going into your family details on a resume, it's to uh, try to avoid uh, discrimination of, of any sort, in this case, health-related. So if we're not going to focus on the illness, should we focus on the treatment? Also, the answer is no. What we should focus on is anything that we did during that time that could communicate to the prospective employer that we were maintaining or upgrading our skill set. So, for example, if you're stuck at home because of health reasons, did you read any books related to your industry or your career? Did you take any online courses to build new skills or build on the skills that you already have? Uh, did you provide information or did you coach or mentor anybody during that time? Did you help somebody find a job? That's also important. So focusing not on the health issue or the treatment, 
but actually on what you did during that time to maintain your skill set or, or, or to grow in your career in some way. Of course, if possible, some illnesses are more severe than others. And if you're, you know, stuck at the hospital and you're not able to do these things, that's a completely different story. But for most people, that is not the issue. Also, caring for a loved one. Um, that's another very legitimate um, excuse for having a, a gap on your resume, but the same suggestions apply. In addition to caring for the for the relative or, or, or a sick friend or, or something like that, did you do anything to maintain your skills or, or to keep yourself uh, job ready? And like I said at the beginning, reading is absolutely a, a very valid thing to do. Industry journals, online periodicals, uh, books, etc. So I guess the idea there is, is, I guess, portraying that you're keeping up to date with your skills and that you're, not, waste, you're not wasting time, even though you are down for the count, you have, uh, you have an illness or you're helping somebody with an illness, you're still conscious of continued education and learning and keeping current with, with affairs. Certainly, certainly. And, and the reason for that is because technology changes at a very rapid pace. Um, so does the economy especially, mm -hmm. um, you know, during uncertain times and making sure that we're, we're keeping current and, and not being left behind. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. So how, is it, how important is it then to convey to the employer that you're past the illness? I've dealt with that. I don't deal with it anymore. And I'm able to focus on work, that kind of idea. Is that, is that a good kind of message to give across? And how do you go about doing that? Certainly. And what I would recommend, mm -hmm. uh, and again, this is a case by case basis, but sure. generally speaking, it's good to include one sentence. And I really mean that one mm -hmm. sentence in your cover letter to communicate that. Okay, because you can't explain it in your resume. So if the if the recruiter or hiring manager looks at your resume, they see a gap. Mm -hmm. And you know, depending on who that person is or what their outlook is, they may decide that mm, maybe this is not the candidate for me. But if you include a sentence saying, uh, you know, preparing the, the hiring manager for that gap in your cover letter by saying something like, uh, I, um, I had to take six months, uh, a six month sabbatical or a six month break from my um, career to receive treatment and that has been concluded or, or the treatment has mm -hmm. finished, I'm in good health and ready to return um, to the workforce or ready for my next assignment or my next challenge. That's all you need to do uh, to, to, to convey that information. And then, you know, if you get invited to a job interview, well, let's, let's be optimistic. When you get invited to a job interview, then you can touch on that. You could say that as you said in your cover letter, um, I, I had to take some time off to receive treatment. I did. I'm back to my health right now. And during the time that I was off, here are the things that I did to make sure that I stay up to date, that I remain current, and that I uh, make sure that my skills um, do not, don't lapse or, or don't fall behind. Um, because you know that the economy, technology, and so on changes. I think, I think one place where uh, this is quite common is when 
when mothers take time off to have their children and perhaps let's say three years is probably you know an, uh, an average amount because the child is more um, self-reliant then or at least to a point where it's easier for the father to be involved um, say two or three years something along that line um, so do you have any tips for mothers who have that kind of a gap in their employment and now they're going back to the workforce maybe in some cases it's been longer maybe it's been 10 years sure and you know this is something that i touched on in one of my uh, youtube videos as mm -hmm. well and it's it's related to transferable skills so a, a parent mm -hmm. whether it's a mother or father um, while taking care of a, a child uh, develops or implements really important skills that are valued in the workplace. Mm -hmm. I mean, if, if you think about children, patience, patience is, is, a, is a tremendous, um, I don't know if it's a skill or a character trait, but it's an important factor in most jobs. So if, if you're talking about being off for maternity or paternity leave, uh, developing patience, and if you communicate that during an interview saying, you know, over this time, I've really come to appreciate how important patience is dealing with children and generally other people. Mm -hmm. And you've taken all of this time to build up that characteristic. So right there, you have a transferable skill. Um, organizational skills. Right. You know, if, according to your timeline, if it's two or three years, well, by, by the second year, that toddler is going to be all around the house. So being able to uh, be organized, being able to pay attention to small details are all skills that are important in the workplace. Makes so multi that language. Multitasking so would be one. Uh, multi, multi absolutely. That's a big multitasking, one. <laughs> um, making sure that things are, are, are being done, maybe concurrently, but also effectively with the uh -huh. results that you want. So it really depends on two things, I would say. Number one is identifying these types of skills that you can take from the home, from child rearing or child, child minding, and then applying it to a workplace, and then using uh, professional or business words to, to describe those skills, and then having that conversation with the hiring manager. But it's always useful to use a specific formula when you're communicating these things. And, and that is the situation that, that you were faced with, the actions that you took, and the results that you've experienced. I'm going to make a suggestion here that, that when somebody is in that situation, going into a job interview, they may want to do a little research to understand the corporate culture. And if they do have other mothers working there, and how they look at um, the need for a mother to be able to put her family first, um, you know, and still place importance on the job. Definitely, and and that I think that's very important for um, new parents or or any parents mm -hmm. for that matter. And unfortunately, you know, we can't go to the company's or organization's website and look that information up. Uh, it's, it's never posted. Mm -hmm. But one thing that you could do is if you do have a LinkedIn account, and if you don't get one as soon as you can, if you do have a LinkedIn account, um, look for other people who are working at this company. Mm 
reach out to them, connect with them, send them a message and tell them, ask them. People generally like to help other people. And new parents almost always love to help out new parents, especially if it's information. So reach out to, to any employees that you can in that company and ask them, can you tell me a little bit about the, the company's attitude towards um, family and, and parents? Yeah, that's a great suggestion because I, I could see people being very open to that question because they, they'll totally get it, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I think knowing that information before you go in for an interview or before you speak with an employer will give you an idea how to frame your comments about it. Should you spend a little bit of time on it or a little bit more, go into a little bit more depth? If I would think if the company is very open and has a sort of a family first kind of a policy, which sometimes is just talk, but, <laughs> but, but a lot of companies do at least talk it, whether they walk the talk is another thing. Um, but I think knowing that will give you an idea of what depth to go into or if you should just mention it briefly, right? Definitely. And you just reminded me of another thing that people could do. You know, if you contact um, employees in the company, you're more likely to get the real answer mm -hmm. because they've been working, especially if, if they're in, that, in the same department that you want to be in. And reporting to the same uh, Another thing you could do, this is a little bit easier and you don't need a LinkedIn account, is phone up their human resources department and ask there. However, when you do that, uh, and you mentioned it a little bit, is you, you may not get the, the answer from experience. You may get the answer from uh, their onboarding manual or their website, yeah. the HR correct answer. The corporate and then you can. Points. Yeah, you can get you can take the HR answer, compare it to the answer from any employees that you've you've uh, managed to be in contact with, and see is there alignment. You know, is there congruency between right. what the official answer is from the human resources department compared to the real life answer from from the employees there. Also, keep in mind that even though the company policy may be one thing. The, 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 the part, each department has a different culture, their own mini organizational culture or, or a subculture as we call it in HR. So uh, you may get different stories, which is useful because then you can compare and make a judgment for yourself. And, and I would uh, say the subculture would be in large part uh, directed by the manager of that department. Absolutely. So another good time to ask this question, and it's a perfect time, is when you are actually being interviewed by the hiring manager, because mm -hmm. that is the person that is most likely going to be your manager or supervisor if you get hired. So asking that person for um, their perspective will uh, give you an idea whether or not that type of a environment is a good fit for what you're looking for. Perfect. Yeah, that's, that's great. Great information. Um, so we talked about the fact that employers are not allowed to ask certain questions, for instance, about your, your religion, your, um, your reasons for, for dealing with health issues, what kind of underlying health issues you have, these kinds of things. So in, in the case of a health issue, if an employer does ask about your health issue, and we've, run, we've all run into this where it's sort of an off the record question. Right. Um, how should one deal with that? That's, 
you know it's that's a tricky situation because you don't want to share all of your personal information uh, on one hand and on the other hand they shouldn't be asking that question mm -hmm. because if they are asking that question there could be a couple of reasons maybe they're just genuinely curious as as people tend to be mm -hmm. um, or maybe they're thinking can that health issue resurface again in the future and impact um, impact the department in a negative way? So you kind of have to weigh the situation. And, and it is definitely a case-by-case -case basis. I mean, if, if you're interviewing face-to-face, -face, you can sometimes feel why the person is asking it. But one thing you could do, and this is something you could do for almost any inappropriate questions, uh, as you could say, you know, I'm wondering uh, how uh, how the answer to that question or, or, or how that would be relevant to the position that I'm applying for. Could you explain that to me? Mm, okay. You know, so you kind of turn it around. Right. But like I said, you know, it really depends on who you're speaking with, because if you turn that around back to the person who asked you the question, mm -hmm. they might think, aha, the person doesn't want to answer my question. Mm -hmm. They're being evasive. They're, perhaps, they're being evasive, even though could... I shouldn't be asking that question, is the second part of that, but they may not be realizing it. Keep in mind also that not all interviewers are familiar with what questions they should or should not For ask. Sure. Especially if you're talking about hiring managers versus recruiters. Exactly. Like we talked about so, earlier. And, um, and I think the key thing, though, is not to end up in a confrontation with the person. So, absolutely. So just thinking about it briefly, I would think you want to keep it positive and, and keep it um, as short as possible if that's the case. You know, that's right. That's perhaps, right. Uh, you know, just throwing it out there, something, something like um, it's, it, you know, it, it's, it, it wasn't that major a situation and it's behind me now. And, and I would even recommend to focus on, on the second part of what you said. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's something that I dealt with effectively. Right. And you may want to add both uh, physically and mentally. Mm -hmm. That's extremely important because mm -hmm. then you're, you're communicating to your interviewer that you've settled here, not just physically, but you're, you're now forward facing again, you're not dwelling on, on that. Mm -hmm. And focus on the result, which is, mm -hmm. you know, this was um, significant in my life, but I've overcome it. I've completed my treatment. I'm well again, and I'm mentally feeling positive, energized, and I'm really looking forward. So again, put your focus, mention it, and then focus and go back to the future. Go back to now and what you're doing, what you're thinking about moving forward. That's awesome. Um, I have two more questions about employment before we move on to other subjects. Um, one of them is, what are the, the mistakes that you see most often that job seekers make? Hmm, okay, that's a, that's a very broad question. I think, I'm going to mention this one because it's top uh, on my mind. I, I just finished up a, a YouTube video that I need to upload. And that is um, including an objective statement instead of a profile statement on your resume. And I can summarize that really quickly if it's okay. Sure. 
please. Yeah. So what I've often seen in the past and even recently um, is people using objective statements on their resume. And, and you may have seen this in the, in the past as well, where mm -hmm. the person writes what they want. So mm -hmm. my goal is to get a job in, as an electrical engineer so that I can continue building my skills and um, gaining new skills from my place of work. That's kind of a, you know, off basic, the top of basic my head, objective, yeah. an, an example of an objective statement. Now, just like the name says, objective means goal, your goal. Mm -hmm. It means what you want mm -hmm. from the company. And one thing that all job seekers should always remember is that the company doesn't care what you want. They, they have a position, they need things done, they want it filled, and, and that's, that's what they're focusing on. So focus on what the organization wants, not what you want. Mm -hmm. And to do that is, uh, is, is not that difficult. You really just take the job advertisement or the job posting for which you want to apply. You read what they're looking for, and they always provide a job description, qualifications that are necessary to succeed in that particular job. And then in your profile statement, show how you match what they are looking for. It's, it's an example of sales. You want to meet their needs. You want to show them that you're the right fit for what they are looking for. So I guess to summarize that is always think about your, your client, in this case, the company where you're applying and seeing how you can help them succeed by matching what your qualifications are with what their needs are and, and showing that fit. Mm -hmm. So it's not about you, the applicant. It's always about the organization that is looking to uh, fulfill a job posting. So what if, uh, I'm just picking up on that, what if a job seeker is responding to a job posting and their background and their experience is around, let's say, a 60% fit? Should they still leave the other 40% of the information in their resume or should they tailor it a bit more? Do you see what I'm saying? So are, are you saying that the person's experience and qualifications are generally about a 60% fit for what the company sure. is looking for? Let, let me use an, an, an example. Let's say that the, um, the company is looking for an HR person, or let, let, let's use a different example. Let's say the company is looking for a shipper receiver, and you have a lot of shipping receiving experience but you also worked in restaurants. And so about 40% of your restaurants, of your okay. resume is about restaurants and 60% of your resume is about shipping receiving. I see. So I'm gonna start off by saying definitely apply. Yeah. So, you know, if the question is, should I apply or shouldn't I apply? The answer is yes, apply. Right, how because, should I change my resume now? You, you know, you, you never know what the outcome could be, but Going back to your example, the 60-40, where 60% of your qualifications are relevant yes. to the job you're applying for. Meanwhile, 40% are not relevant. Right. And that's absolutely fine. And in that case, you would simply strategically uh, design your resume so that you're presenting your relevant information first. Let me get into a little bit more detail. So... In this case, what you would do, most people are familiar with, with the general sections of a resume. You know, you have your, your header, your work experience, 
your education, possibly volunteer experience. Those are the, 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 the main sections. So in this case, what we would do is we would take the, the work experience section and we would divide it in two. We would have, and we would use the headings. The heading that would be um, the first one would be shipping, receiving work experience or shipping, receiving experience. Mm -hmm. That's your relevant experience. So you would include that first. Then you would have another section right underneath saying other experience or just simply work experience. Right. Or additional yeah. experience. Um, I don't recommend the word other because it's, it's not a very, it's not a rich word. It's not a strong how about the word. Uh, how about the word additional? Additional is much better because it's, it's showing extra and extra right. is always good, you know, extra effort and so on. So if you're only, let's say 60, 40, 60 relevant, lead with it, shipping, receiving experience. Then the next section would be additional experience and then include your, um, let's say, you know, restaurant experience. This has a couple of different advantages. It shows the employer that you're well-rounded and you do have additional experience. And in this case, you know, working at a restaurant requires people skills. Mm -hmm. Again, an example of transferable skills. But, and also you're avoiding any gaps. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they might be looking at the first section, shipping, receiving experience, and they might say, okay, this person worked uh, from this time to this time in shipping and receiving. Then there is a gap and then they worked in shipping and receiving again. Why is there a gap? they move on down your resume and they see, ah, okay, during that time, they were doing a different type of job. Mm -hmm. Now, again, this is important because you're, you're, you're covering for any possible misinterpretations that there is a gap. Also, what you're not doing is you're avoiding a functional resume. So typically there are three types of resumes. Generally speaking, you can subdivide them as well. But you have a reverse chronological resume. That's the standard, you know, your most recent position and then going back in time. Then you have a functional resume, which sometimes people use or they're recommended to use if they do have gaps in their work experience. Mm -hmm. And a functional resume focuses on skills and qualifications. Recruiters and hiring managers and HR people typically don't like functional resumes because it's difficult to follow the person's work history chronologically or reverse chronologically. So it makes it difficult for them to see um, how much time you've spent in, in different companies and if you do have any gaps. So avoid functional resumes. But the third type of a resume is a hybrid or a combination resume. And that's exactly the type of resume that I described if the person has, as in your example, a 60% focus on shipping, receiving, but 40% of their experiences in restaurants. So a hybrid or a combination resume would allow you to, to kind of have two sections for your work history. And in this case, you know, the relevant work experience and call it what it is, shipping, receiving, experience followed by additional experience mm -hmm. and additional is a great word like you recommended because maybe in addition to restaurant experience the person has uh, part-time or summer work experience when they were studying in uh, say you know yard work or 
a gardening or, 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 or part-time cashier or something like that, in addition to restaurant experience. And they could all take that and put it in the additional experience section. And I would imagine with the additional experience, you would want to ask yourself, how does this relate to shipping receiving and try and word it in such a way that, um, you know, you, for instance, had to bring the plates to the table on time. You had to, there was some coordination with the staff in, in expediting orders, for instance. Exactly. And these are decisions to be made uh, when you're writing uh, what we call the, the accomplishment statements. Uh, now, accomplishment sounds like you have had to accomplish something huge or, or groundbreaking. That's absolutely, absolutely not the case. You know, if, if in your restaurant job, say, for example, um, you were... Um, you reorganized the bar uh, so that it is more visually appealing to the to the customers. Mm. That's an accomplishment. And organizational skills are extremely important, not only in, sure. in what you did, you know, yeah. as in the restaurant industry, but absolutely in shipping and receiving, being organized in a warehouse. It's so what you want to do is focus on transferable skills, mm -hmm. the skills that you think would be useful in the new type of job or the new type of career that you want to move forward with. I would imagine, especially if you could show that reorganizing the bar made it operate more efficiently, Absolutely. perhaps reduce some of the cost of wastage or something like that, that would be a yeah. really big achievement. So you want to work backwards. Think about, mm -hmm. you, think about your, you know, what, what skills or character or personality traits are useful in the shipping receiving industry. Identify those, and you can do that by going through different types of uh, job advertisements related to warehousing, shipping, receiving. Take a look at some of the company websites that specialize in that sort of thing, and you'll be able to make a list of things that are important to them. Then go back to your uh, additional work experience that you've had in your past and see where you've used any of the characteristics or skills that you identified from the shipping receiving um, industry, where you've used those in, let's say, your, your restaurant experience. And it could be, like you mentioned, you know, organization, efficiency, um, cleaning is, is, is huge, making sure the place is tidy. Um, also, some of the health and safety regulations are very similar in terms of making sure that people don't slip Right. Uh, warehousing, shipping, receiving, that's extremely important, but as well as in a restaurant. Makes so, sense. So if you you're know, involved again, on the safety committee, for instance, then that's a great, absolutely. great crossover. Yeah, makes sense. That's great, Bart. To wrap up, can you tell us a little bit more about where people can find you and learn more about what you do? Um, I think the best thing to do if people are interested in learning more about how to become an expert job seeker and how do you know if you're an expert job seeker while well, you find a job is to go to my <laughs> website which is bartzik.com that's b-a-r-t-z-y-c-h.com and from there you'll be able to see clearly a link to my youtube youtube channel which is kiss coaching um, as well on youtube and that's where you can find a whole bunch of uh, free video resources on specifically how to 
build and improve your uh, resume, as well as tips on answering uh, job interview questions and other uh, business re uh, communication related information. But specifically, this channel is focused on resume and uh, job interviews and for job seekers. That's awesome, Bart. Thanks for that. And thanks. I'm sure there's a lot of great information for people there, job seekers and, and people who are employed right now and perhaps passively job seeking. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Bart and KISS Academy, check the show notes below.